That's good stuff. How's everybody doing this week? All right, that was about a half a step better than it was last week. How are you guys doing this week? There we go, that's what I'm talking about. By this point, you should be alive. Coffee should have kicked in, right? Worship should have woken you up, right? And so we're good, we're ready. And now we're ready for God to speak to us through his word. So there should be expectation and excitement, right? All right, good stuff. Well, I'm excited to speak tonight. Uh, we're going to be continuing with a unique sermon series. Uh, this is part two, and this is the final part of this sermon series, and so I'm excited about it. Uh, before I do, though, I did want to um, apologize to you um, for last week, and just uh, I really felt convicted afterwards um, about talking about traffic so much and uh, blaming you for all of my frustrations. Um, I feel like I went a little too far. And so I just wanted to say I'm sorry for that. You know, I just, uh, I, I kept, you know, sitting there. The whole message was, you know, you be you, you know. And if you just happen to be somebody that drives 15 miles an hour in the speed limit, and that's who God's created you to be, I'm kind of hypocritical, right, if I'm sitting there yelling at you for it, right? So, so I apologize about that. Just know that I'm going to be me, and I'm, I will pass you as soon as I have a chance, going as fast as I possibly can. So, um, <laughs> but I do, uh, I do apologize about that. But anyway, so, all right. So let's get the real stuff. Let's talk about Jesus tonight, right? All right. So, um, so we, uh, here in this unique sermon series, um, basically what we're, just, we're, we're, we're getting to this point is, is that, that God has, has created us unique, and he's created us unique for a purpose, and he has a plan for us, Right? And that's, and that's what we're talking about, and that's where we're going through this. And so, um, so last week where we were, we were in Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, we, we started in Ephesians chapter 1 because I love I loved the, well, I love the Bible. It's just awesome. But Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, he's just starting off and he's just saying, listen, your identity is found in Christ. And it's found in nothing else. And he's talking to the church in Ephesus and he's just communicating to them that their identity is found in Christ, and that's where everything has to start. And so last week what we talked about was, and if we just boiled it down to one point and just one thought is, is that you are your best. And I'll add this this week, that you are uniquely you. When you believe who you are determines what you do. And that's, that's what we summed up last week's thought is, is, is just that reality. Verse 13 is what we focused on. And in verse 13, it's just the fact that um, God is just saying to us in verse 13, he's just saying, listen, I've identified you as my own through Jesus Christ. And so he's, just, he's communicating to us and he's just pointing to us that, listen, my, your identity is found in me and it's found in nothing else. And if you tried to look anywhere else for your identity, if you tried to, to explore any other things, it's not going to work out for you because you will not find anything other than frustration or exhaustion or emptiness. But if you look to me and you find your identity in me, then you're going to be able to find everything that I have planned for you because I have a design that I've placed in you, I have a purpose in you, and that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And as you continue on, and Paul's is continuing this thought as he goes through Ephesians, and he's going on, and in chapter 1, he's just communicating, listen, your identity is found in Christ, and as a Christian, you're to live a life of power, communicating God's uniqueness and God's glory. That's the life that you're called to live, and that's the one that you are communicated to do. And then he continues on to chapter 2 with this amazing thought that in chapter 2, he starts with this thought in verses 1 through 4 that, that if you are apart from Christ, if you're not living in Christ, that is when you are going to be at your most ordinary. 
That's when you're going to be at a place where you're not thriving. You're not even identifying with who you were created to be. You're not even coming close to understanding the potential of who God's created you to be. But then he moves on in chapter 2, and he moves on to communicate something powerful and something profound in verse 10. That we are God's craftsmanship. We are God's, as it says in the New Living Translation, masterpiece. And I love this verse. It's a powerful verse because it's communicating and it's identifying this again. That you know who you are when you are found in Christ and when you're resting in him. Because what happens is, what God's communicating in this verse is, is something very profound and something very just amazing, is that he is beginning something in you. He's starting to do something in you so that you find out who you are and who he wants you to be. And you move on, and as the verse says, that he has things that he's got planned for you to do. And so it's a workmanship, it's a masterpiece. You think of an artist in any way. An artist starts with a blank canvas, right? They start with a blank canvas, and then they move, and they begin to create art. They begin with strokes, and if it's somebody like me, it doesn't really make sense, right? You're just looking at it, and you're like, okay, like a painting. I cannot paint, all right? Uh, that's why I do, like, graphic design stuff, because I can steal images, all right? So, like, so, but, like, you know, so they start with strokes, and they start pulling pieces together and pulling things together. It's, it starts as something, but then it continues into a masterpiece, and so I love the, the word that Vanessa shared tonight because it fits right into that. That what happens is, is that we're trying to find our identity and we, we have this sense in us that, man, I'm supposed to be something. I'm, I'm supposed to, I, I feel the sense that I'm supposed to be great and I'm supposed to be a part of something great, but we just don't feel like we can grab a hold of it. And sometimes what that means is, is that we're just trying to do so much for ourselves and we're trying to just find everything in ourselves and we're just trying too hard, but we just need to rest and say, God's doing something in me. He's starting something. And when I look to him and when I rest to him and I, I just do the things that he's given me to do, that I begin to discover who he's created me to be. And I begin to see that I'm a masterpiece that he values deeply and that he loves deeply. So here's, as we move into this and, 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 and we think about this, one of the great things about this verse is and how we're going to transition tonight is, is that this is not only true for us individually, but it's also true for us as Christians. That we are his masterpiece. The church is his masterpiece. And that each and every one of us together is what God has intended to put together for his purposes and for his glory. And it's an amazing thought and it's an amazing thing. And, and what it helps us to see is, is that we, we find that we're a part of something new and that we're a part of something absolutely profound. And so as you go through and you continue in Ephesians here and just look at what Paul is talking about here in verse 16, he communicates this. He says, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. And what we see in this verse here is that, that, that Jesus came to create new opportunities for relationship. He came to create new opportunities for us to be in relationship with him in a meaningful way, in a significant way. That we identify with him, not by distance and not by rules and regulations, but that we identify by him, with, with him by relationship. That we're connected to him, not by what we do, but what he did for us. And that he opens up this new opportunity for us to have relationships with other people as well. And tonight, that's where we're going to go with our first point is, is that Jesus' death wasn't just to reconcile us to God, 
but to bring us together. That's a powerful thought, isn't it? That he, God's intention and God's plan was not just so that we individually would be like, okay, good, I'm happy, but that God has something bigger in mind. In chapter 3, verse 10, it says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Listen, this is a powerful verse when you think about this. Let me read that again, just one more thought, because every time I read this and I studied it, I was just like, man, that's just profound. But it says that it was his purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety, meaning you, you are his rich variety, displaying his goodness and his power to all the unseen rulers. So this is to all creation, right? That there is things beyond even the people that we're connected with, that there are angels in awe of God's plan as we live out the life that God's called us to live. That they're discovering, as they're in heaven, they're watching us live out our lives, they're discovering God's power and God's wisdom, and they're in awe of what God is doing. And that the enemy is sitting there watching, and they're looking, and they're just saying, what is God doing? What is God up to? And that God has banked everything on us. That God is saying, listen, through Jesus, if they discover Jesus, they find their identity in Jesus, that they will have a relationship with me that is absolutely beyond their imagination. It's beyond anything they could ever ask for for themselves. But not only that, they're going to enter into new relationships with each other that could change the world. And Satan is sitting there and they're saying, that's not possible. That is not what can happen. And God said, it's not only what can happen, but it's my plan. It's my plan and it's my purpose. And so tonight, it's our opportunity to see that how God wants to do that. In high school... Um, um, I, I uh, wasn't always living for God, you know, uh, the way that I should and uh, the way that, you know, um, I wish that I would now. And uh, when I was in high school, there were was, was so many moments where uh, I just know that God was just speaking to me and just trying to reveal to me, hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm watching, I'm here. No matter how far I was, God was there and he was speaking to me and he was keeping me close. And uh, there was this moment I was sitting in high school, I was sitting in class and there was this girl sitting next to me. Her name was Angel, and we were talking, and, and um, we were friends. We weren't, like, connected. We didn't hang out a lot, but we just talked in class and stuff like that. And she was from a very rough home, and, and um, relationships were very complicated in her life. Every relationship in every possible way it was very complicated. And she knew, I was, she knew that, you know, um, that we went to church, and she knew that my, my parents were heavily involved in the church, and, and Dad was helping out with the worship and stuff at that time. And, and so she knew all those things, and she just asked me this question. She said, Jamie, why do you go to church? Why do you go to church? And I stopped for a minute, and I, I, I dodged the question, and I ignored the question, because honestly, I couldn't answer the question for myself. And what I really stop and I think about it now, and that, that conversation has never left me, and I've always thought about it, and because the truth of the matter is, is she wasn't just asking, hey, why do you go to church? I'm just curious. There's something in her that was saying, hey, listen, there's more to life. There's, there's, this, there's something that I need to know, and there's something that I need to be a part of. And I see you, and I know that you're not good, all right? But I, I see you, and, and I see the things that you're involved in. I see the relationships that you have, and I see how your parents love you and how they love each other, and I see the experiences that you have, that you get to travel all around the country on mission trips, and you get to do all these things, which why in the world my youth pastor let me go on a mission trip? I have no clue, but that's God's grace. But anyways, so 
you know, go there, she sees all of these things, and what she's really asking me is, is, listen, I want to be a part of something. I know that I'm created to be a part of something. And is what you are a part of, does that matter? Is that what I'm looking for? And honestly, my answer to her should have been, yes, it matters. And not only does it matter, but it's the answer. That God has called us to be a part of his plan and his purpose. And his plan and his purpose is, is that we be in a relationship with him that gives us a sense of identity that helps us to live in power. But that we be in relationships with each other that transforms our life on a daily basis and adds value to who we are and what we do. That we're a part of something meaningful and that we're a part of a community. Most studies will tell you this, and there's a study that, um, that, uh, that I was reading recently, and the study was saying this, is that most people, most people that do not attend church, they're not Christians, they wouldn't claim to be Christians, most people would actually say that what intrigues them most about the church is the Christian community before the Christian message. So what people identify with most and what people are most interested in is when they see people living together and doing life together, when they see people unified together, loving each other. People identify with that and people want that. Why do they want that? Because it's built into us. It's God's design and his plan and his purpose that we exist together for his glory and for our good. That we be in relationships that we find meaning and purpose and significance in every single one of our relationships. Listen, the world judges us not by how right we get our beliefs, but how well we live them out. By how well we love God and how well we love people. And that's a powerful reality for us to think about that when the world is watching, and they are watching... They're interested. They want to have the meaningful conversations. They want to have the difficult conversations. They want to ask you if they know that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you have made that vow of devotion and you've committed to follow him. They want to hear you speak of God's goodness. And they want it to mean something. And they're watching you. And they want to see, are you living it out? Are you living it out not in that you know the right answers and you can say the right things at the right time, but are you loving God well and are you loving people well? And that's what speaks to them and that's what shows them God's goodness and God's love. If you will, let's turn to Romans. Romans chapter 12. Starting in verse 9. It says this. Don't just pretend to love others, but really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly what is good, and love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. It's a challenging verse, isn't it? That that's the community that God wants us to live in, and that's how he wants us to carry out life. Christian communities should model grace and love and forgiveness. And they should model identity. Our identity is in Christ. And then when people look at our communities, they look at us doing life together. They look at us being connected together. People should see Jesus in everything that we do. When they look at us, they should see love and they should see forgiveness and they should see something that is so profoundly different than what they see in the world. And when you stop and you think about it, that's a challenging thing to think about and it's, it's, it's actually something that's pretty convicting. Because if the world was to come and just bust into our circles of friendships that, you know, after so tonight in clad, you know what I'm saying? We're just hanging out and we're just, you know, going wherever we're going, going to smoke, which... I haven't been there yet, so that's got to be remedied sometime soon. But, um, 
But, you know, we're just hanging out. We're just doing what we're doing. We're, you know, just, just, being, our, just being with our people. Man, when people look at it, they see something that draws them to Jesus. Or they just see another group of people. And it's, it's not about just sitting there saying, oh, well, I did this, and we looked this way, and we had a 25-minute prayer before we even ate our chips and salsa. Like, it's not that type of stuff. It's just saying that when they look at us, they're just like, man, the way they interact and the way they communicate, there's something different about them. Man, the way they share and the way that they're generous with each other and they're generous with me and they don't even know, that means something and that's something significant. That part just came from the fact that I'm the waiter right now. But anyway, so... Listen, the world wants to see something drastically different. It's watching to see how we love each other and how we love God. It wants to see something different in our interactions with each other, our relationships with each other. It tells them everything. And Jesus came not just so that we could have a better relationship with God and so that we could say, yeah, I'm good, but so that we could be together. So that we have meaningful relationships, both vertically and horizontally. That life change comes not just from us having a set form of beliefs, but life change comes from relationship. That God's involved in our daily lives and that he uses each other to bring significance and value into our lives. That's what God has done for us, and that is what he's calling us to do. Part of seeing something, part of seeing how unique we are, should bring another revelation. And we're going to turn to, uh, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 12 here in just a second. But before we do, so you can go ahead and turn there in a second, but we're going to go to Romans chapter, or Romans chapter 12, verse 6 as well. But it should, it should bring this revelation to us as well. That if you are unique, nobody's like you, you're God's craftsmanship, you're God's workmanship, you are one of a kind. Nobody's got your thumbprint, which... Apparently doesn't even secure your iPhone, just in case you're, like, hoping for that on the iPhone, iPhone 5. They've already cracked it. So, uh, But anyway, so your unique thumbprint, that is you. That's, that, is, that is yours, right? There's nobody like you. Even though that is true and even though that is present and even all those things are going on, there is a reality that is present in this life that we've got to understand is this. In verse 6 of chapter 12 of Romans, it says, In his grace... In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. That you are unique. But you are unique not just for your benefit and not just for so God can smile at you. But you're unique because you bring something to the table that's going to make a difference in my life. And I bring something to the table that's going to make a difference in your life. Right? You think about it, right? I mean, and, and here's the thing. This is a challenging thing. This is, this is a challenging, challenging verse for me, all right? Because here's, here's the reality of this. You think about this, all right? Here's how I think you're probably better than I am. You're probably more saved than I am. So in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. That means that some people can do things that I cannot do. That's not cool, right? Like for me, like I'm sitting there, like there's some aspects like tonight, Al's up here on the stage just going crazy on the guitar. It's awesome, isn't it? It's absolutely awesome. Dude is sick. I mean, he's just absolutely sick on the guitar. Our whole worship team, they just killed it tonight, didn't they? He was giving one the whole worship team, man. They were just awesome. Listen, he's got this incredible gift. 
I have a hard time clapping and singing at the same time. <laughs> right? So I'm sitting there just like, okay, clapping, and then I realize that I'm just way off key, and that I'm probably making people move away from me, you know, and all this different stuff, and then I'm not even clapping. I'm really open my eyes, and, you know, nobody else is clapping, or if they are, I'm not even on the right beat, and I'm just like, what's happening? So I just stop and put my hands in my pocket to stop trying to even clap, right? And he's up there doing 32 different things and just killing it on the guitar, right? And there's even just some things just in life, right? There's just some things that, 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 there's a difference in each and every one of us. There's some things that people do extremely well, right? And it drives us absolutely crazy. Because they're just like, man, why are they so good at that, right? Just takes you forever to do something and it takes them two seconds. It drives you insane, right? You just want to smack them. But you know you can't. <laughs> You're supposed to love each other. And so you just look at it, you know, and it's all that. But then at the same time, too, that it just, it just signifies that there's differences in each one of us. There's things that people do well that you cannot do well. But at the same time, there's just differences that are present in people. And that's a challenging part of this. And that's a challenging part of relationships is, is that as we look at relationships and we try to um, explore these different things, say, okay, I'm supposed to be in this meaningful relationship. And we just say, you know what? But they are better than me at this. And that's, that's difficult for me. I don't want to be around that person because I don't like myself when I'm next to them, right? Or we look at it and we just say, you know what? I, I'm better than them at this thing. And they slow me down and they drag me down. Anybody in that camp, right? You just, nobody wants to raise their hand on that? <laughs> Jenna? Okay, good. All right, we're there together. All right. But so we get this thing when, the, when people have differences and there's things that are just present in them where it's just like, man, they're just so different than me. Differences can cause conflict, and it can cause different things, and, 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 and we just got to understand that we are individually unique, but we're individually unique because God's created us that way, and he didn't just create us that way so that we can say, okay, great, you're different than I am, but he created us unique for a purpose. If we back up just a little bit, we can see this purpose. In Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 5, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function... So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. All belong to each other. Listen, we're in this thing together, right? When Al's up there tearing it up on the stage, it's not for me to be like, oh, geez, I feel so bad about myself. It's for me to say, wow, God is so amazing. Look at the gift that he's given him and how unique God is that he's able to do that through that instrument. That's just amazing, right? It's absolutely amazing to look at that. When you look at people in your life, right? How different are the people that you live with? They're pretty different, right? Right? They're pretty unique and they can just rub on you a little bit wrong sometimes, right? But God put them in your life because there's something unique about them that matters and there's something unique about them that you need in your life. And so we've got to understand and we've got to see that relationships matter in a huge way. That God has a purpose and a plan, and his purpose and his plan is that we know him, that we be in relationship with him, and that as the church, we thrive and function as God intends the church to thrive and function, and that it takes each one of us doing our part. It takes each one of us bringing our best and doing what we can so that we can be a part of what God has already set up and ordained. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know this verse. This is about 
you know, every time you start talking about relationships, you start talking about your place in the church and your unique qualities, this is where we're going to go. So you all knew that we're going to go there, and if you didn't, next time you know that's where we're going to go for preaching, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, it says, Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Listen, here's the important thing for you to get tonight is that you are you for a reason, and it's because we're better together. You are you for a reason, it's because we're better together. Listen, there's, there's an aspect of, of who we are that you, if, let's, just, let's just look at it this way, and there's something even fun, just a story that we were, uh, Pastor Fred and I were talking about that happened this weekend um, at the Williamsburg campus, but uh, when you just look at it this way, it's the, this idea of somebody being a co-author, Right? Anybody, uh, I know, Laura, you're a writer right there, right? So we got some writers out here. Anybody else a writer? Anybody else? A couple of us, okay, all right. So as we write, there's people that can come in and they can write with us or they can write for us, right? And there's this aspect that you can come in and people can actually be, there's a guy named James Patterson. He's a, he's a famous um, author, um, the Michael Bennett books. Anybody read those or any interested in those? Okay, all right, I'm doing great at asking questions tonight. This is awesome. <laughs> But anyways, um, <laughs> so anyways, uh, he writes all these books, but he's actually one of the most famous guys that has tons of co-authors, right? He's just got tons of people that come in and write books with him and got, writes even books for him, and he puts his name on it, and the dude's like cranking out $15, $30 million a year, right? It's just awesome. You don't even write a book, you just put your name on it, and you get a couple million dollars. That's a good gig, right? But what the deal is, is, is he's realized and he's understand that he himself, he's a brand, right? He's created this brand. He's created this identity. He's, he, he knows who he is, and he knows what, his, what people are interested in. And what he's realized is, is that he himself, he can't do enough by himself. But he can crank out so much more if he brings people along that understand him, that understand his genre, and that understand his brand identity. And if they are willing to be a part of that, then they're able to help him accomplish more than he can accomplish on his own, Right? And so you got this other idea at the same time, too, that the guy that actually wrote the first book of the Michael Bennett series, his name is Michael uh, Ledwing. And Michael Ledwing, he was a guy, and he was actually, he had a normal job, and he was working every day, nine to five, but he wanted to be an author. So then he came in, and he met Michael, or he met um, James Patterson, and, and he, James Patterson's like, hey, I want you to help write books with me and just whatever else. So he did that. So he started writing with him. The first book went to number one in the New York Times instantly, and this guy's world changed. And not only did it change just because his name was now attached to somebody else, but Michael, or not Michael, I keep wanting to say Michael Bennett. <laughs> He's a fictional character. All right. James Patterson... James Patterson, he came in and he started helping this guy's Michael's books start getting published on his own. This guy quit his job, so now he's living the dream that he always wanted to live. And so there's this reality that as we're living life as God's called us to live, and we're living the life that God's called us to live through the power that God's given us, we see that we are co-authors in each other's life. So the oddball that's sitting next to you that you have difficulties with sometimes, the person that rubs you wrong sometimes, that person that's in this room that you're just kind of like, man, I wish they went to another church. There's two other churches that meet in this building. That would be awesome for them to go see one of them. So you're thinking about that and you're looking at that. You understand that God brought them to this place at this time for your benefit? 
that there's something in their life that they can come into your life and co-author things that you could not write for yourself. And that you could co-author their story and add things to their life that you, that they could not add for themselves. See, it's just this reality. We look at it in our marriages. You know, Michelle and I, we're different people. Michelle, she's kind of a, you know, like black and white type person on most things where it's just like this is what we're going to do and that's just how it's going to work, right? And I'm kind of like, well, I don't know. There's a lot of options, you know. It's just like, what color you want to paint the house? I don't know, blue. Let's paint it blue. Well, what color blue, you know? Well, we're going to do it this one because it looks best. Well, there's 3,000 shades of blue, you know. Let's pick one. I could make up a new shade of blue. We can go that direction. That's just kind of where I camp, you know. But we help each other, right? We help each other, and then as we're even going through life and as we're even doing our journeys through, through, um, through this life in Christ and discovering who we are and, and who God wants us to be and the things that he's called us to do and the things that he's given us opportunities to be a part of, we help each other. There's things that Michelle can speak to me that I cannot see on my own. And we understand that to some degree in our marriages, but God has called us to be a part of his church. It's his plan. He's called us to live together, to be together, so that the world and all of creation can see God's wisdom. Listen, God's orchestrated all things out for your good and for his glory. You're not here by accident. You're not a part of this church just by happenstance. You're here because there's something that you can add to somebody else's life. And somebody else in this place has something they can add to your life. And as that relationship happens, you're able to discover God at a whole new level and live a relationship with him that you can never live on your own. And then your relationships here on this earth become deeper. And as we talk about now, heaven now, heaven forever. Heaven now, what is heaven now? Is it having stuff? No, it's understanding a relationship with God, our hope for eternity, but discovering life with people here now. That's a huge part of it. There's all kinds of other aspects as well that are, that, are, that are part of our pathways and all those things. But relationship helps to orient the church and us individually to what God wants us to do and to steer us in his direction and his plan. Relationships are huge and they're an important part of who we are and what we do. This weekend, um, we just even see this big thing as well. I just want to tie this in real quick, but it's just awesome because we just want to celebrate it. As you know, uh, most of you should know that the Williamsburg campus, we're moving tomorrow. Um, out of the theater, and we're going to be moving into the YMCA. And so um, that's awesome. And we couldn't be more excited for it. I mean, it's so awesome. Just as we, every time we and, and the new formed MLTC at the Williamsburg campus, every time we walk into the YMCA, it's so exciting. It just brings us life. Stacia the other day, Stacia Wilson, she helps out with the, with the kids area and the nursery and those things. And she, she came in uh, the other day and we were just talking and stuff. And she's like, I was at the, you know, the YMCA this week. And oh my gosh, I can't wait. I can't wait for the six. You know, we're just so excited about it. But as we're going down there at the, the uh, Waynesburg campus, one of the biggest issues we've been trying to figure out is our chairs, all right? Because we have chairs similar to these right here. But these chairs, they take up a lot of space, and they're really hard to move, right? Anybody ever been part of the chair moving ministry? All right? Longer than a month? Anybody? All right? It, <laughs> well, all right. Hey, there you go. So 
It, 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 we're sitting there just looking, man, they take up a massive amount of space. I did the math on it. I figured it out. They take up 10 foot by 9 foot, basically, all right? It's a little less than that, but who needs to be specific right now, all right? So it's 10 foot by 9 foot. So they take up a massive amount of space. And one of the things we do not have at the YMCA in abundance is storage. So we're sitting there like, we're going to take what storage we do have with chairs. We're like, what in the world are we going to do? How's this going to work out? And we're just trying to figure things out. And we're just going... So we're sitting there the other day, and, and Jason Kearney and I, we're, we're hanging out, and we're just checking different things, and this dude's like a Craigslist, Craigslist machine, right? And so he's just awesome. If you ever need to get rid of something, talk to him, all right? He charges 20%, but, you know, it's good. Um, or is it 30? I don't know. But so anyways, um, so we're sitting there, we're just taking pictures and stuff, just seeing what we can sell and just whatever else. And so we're just like, I wonder if we could sell the chairs. And so he takes pictures, and we put them up. Was it the same day? Same day, within hours. We have this guy contact us, and he said, hey, I'm interested in your chairs, and I'm willing to pay for what you're asking for them. And we're just like, what? That's insane. <laughs> that doesn't happen with Craigslist people, right? <laughs> and if you're a Craigslist person, sorry. All right, so, like, you know, it was just like, it was sitting there, you were just like, man, that it just, just, just does not happen. So is this too good to be true? And so, long story short, I ended up meeting him yesterday, and he's a pastor down in Durham, North Carolina. And he's in transition, and what they are, they're actually starting a church. And they're moving from a temporary situation to a permanent situation. And so this guy's sitting there, and he's saying, man, I need chairs. And so what, here's what he says to me. His name's Pastor Anthony, and Pastor Anthony, he says to me, he says, man, this is a huge step for us. Because not only are we spending money, but we're just taking a step of faith, because we're buying 200 chairs, and we have 25 people. And so we're taking this step of faith into permanence, into what God has called us to do. Right? And it's so awesome because here's the reality of it is that we look at it is, is just like, okay, that's cool. It's a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. God orchestrates all things and he, he aligns things and he develops things and he puts people in the right place for the right time. And so now we are part of their story. That there's going to be a moment and a place where they're sitting there celebrating all that God's doing in their church and they're sitting there looking at the chairs and they're like, that's the first step we took towards the dream that God had for us. And there's a church in Williamsburg that was trying to take their next step in what God had for them and we were able to be a part of their story. And it shows that God is in control of all things. And that he's got all things worked out. And he's got them worked out so that we can know him. So that we can walk in power. And so that we can say that I am his child. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to be fearful of anything. I can walk with confidence to know that God is in control. And that he has worked everything out for my good. He's created new opportunities for relationship, so I don't, have to he I don't have to hesitate when I'm going in into work and say, you know what, do I, how do I do this? How do There's somebody there that desperately needs to hear your story. And you can step out with confidence and share that story and declare God's goodness and show who he is and show his love for them as you express his love for you. So as we wrap up, and this the worship team, you can go ahead and make your way up here. It's really funny. I'm just going to be honest with you real quick. I have no clue where I am on my slides. That's a good point right there. <laughs> What's next? 
No, not yet. Okay. Jesus wants you to know a depth of relationship that you couldn't know on yourself. He wants you to know a depth of relationship that you have with God. He wants you to know a depth of relationship you can have with people. Listen, one of the reasons that we're doing this sermon series is, is because we've got life groups that are kicking off. Not one of the reasons, it's the reason. Is that we're kicking off life groups and we want you to go up and we want you to sign up and we want you, because we want to know who's going to be in what group and we're going to be doing the Circle Maker book and you can purchase the book for $10 and, and be a part of that. And honestly, it's a great book and, and if you've never read the book before, it's going to change your prayer life and it's going to challenge you in huge ways. But more than just going through the book, the purpose of life group is not just so that we can say, okay, we've been together and okay, we've been a part of this thing. The purpose of life group is for us to be able to engage in a relationship that God has for us. To open up new opportunities for relationship, to see the ones that Jesus has already opened up for us. To step into those. Because we know that God's going to have something in place through a person that's there that's going to speak life and courage to us, then in a moment of desperation is going to be what holds us up. In a moment when we need to step out in faith and have courage, they're going to be the ones that have the right words to speak to us at the right moment that helps us to have that step of faith. Then our moments of loss, they're going to be there to hold up our arms and keep us strong. See, the reason that we do life groups is, is because community, it means something. Jesus reconciled us with him, but he also brought us together. We've got to know that, and we've got to understand that, and we've got to experience that by stepping into the relationships that he's given us. Listen, God made it possible for you to have meaningful relationships through Jesus Christ. Just step into them and believe them. Why do I keep doing this? Listen, here's the second point that we got tonight. I'm going to finish with this real quick, is that Jesus' death wasn't just to reconcile us to God. It wasn't just to bring us together. It was to send us out on mission. God has created a relationship with you and Him through Jesus Christ that is beyond your imagination. The things that are possible when you know who you are through Jesus Christ the things that you can accomplish, the things that you can be a part of are literally beyond your imagination. You couldn't write them for yourself. You couldn't ask them for yourself. And that sounds great, and you're like, that's good. That's in the Bible. It's the truth, and it's the reality that God wants you to be who he's created you to be. And the best way for you to know that, the best way for you to experience that is to step in relationships with other people to experience God's love and experience his goodness. And as you do that, you communicate the truth and the glory of God's goodness and the truth of the gospel that Jesus saves and that through Christ he calls us his own so that we can walk with purpose and walk with confidence. In Acts chapter 4, I love this passage right here, Acts chapter 4 verse 28. This is the early church, and they're sitting there, and they're like, hey, in, in this very city, they killed Christ, and, and these people are coming against us. And in verse 28, they said, but everything they did was determined beforehand according to his will. 
Again, God's in control. He's got a plan. He's got things worked out. Verse 29, and now, O Lord, hear their hearts and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. I'm just going to go on and just read just one more second because I love this passage. Verse 32, I know it's not on the screen. But all the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. Listen, God wants you to step into relationships knowing that God is going to use them to make you who he's created you to be and that you are going to be used to help them to be who God's created them to be. As we look at life groups and as we go that, it is not something that you can just look and say, I don't have time for it. I'll tell you this, is that you don't have time to not be a part of it. It is a way for you to, if you ignore it, and if you say, you know, I don't want to be a part of it. I know there's some people, I'm not trying to guilt you into it. I know there's some people, you just literally can't. And that's understandable if you can't. But you've got to do everything you can to find a way to be a part of it. Because this is part of God's plan. That we be together and that we understand God's love and his mercy and his power through our relationships with each other. And as we step into those moments, we see not only how God can use us to change other people's lives. And how God can change our world, we begin to see how God can use us to change the world together as his church. So here what we're going to do is we're just going to take a second and we're just going to pray. And my prayer is this, and it's a simple prayer. My simple prayer is this, is that we see how unique, how wonderful we are. But that we not look at that and say, you know what, I am who I am and I get to do what I want to do. But we look at it and say, you know what, no, God has reconciled me to have a relationship not only with him but with other people. And that's his purpose. That's his plan is that I be in relationship with other people. And the reason that he wants me to be in relationship with other people is so that we can show God's glory, his power, and his wisdom to all of creation that is watching for his church to stand up. And if we know who we are in Christ, then we can stand in power. And we can pray boldness, and we can pray that God will do significant things in our lives and through our relationships. That when we're in life group, that we're standing there, not just saying that was a good conversation, but that we are standing and we know that there are moments of importance. There are moments that where we can literally call out to God and say, God, what do you want us to do? What world do you want us to change? What life do you want us to reach out to? What home do you want us to love on? What community can we show your love to? And we stand up in boldness and we declare God's word and we live our lives out together and we show God powerful. We show God wonderful. We're showing that he has a unique plan for us. And that unique plan is to know his love by loving each other. God, I just pray this. God, I pray that we, as a church, God, that we as a church listen to you, and God, that we take a hold of this moment, and we say yes to the relationships that you have for us, that we know that there is people in this place that you've brought here for this time 
so that they could speak something into our life that shows us your truth and your love and that we can do the same in their lives. God, I pray, Lord, that as our life groups begin to form and as they begin to meet in homes, that they're not just moments where people have good times and good food, which we know is important, and that they're not just having good conversations, but God, that they're significant moments. They're moments that encourage them to live their lives individually for you, and that together they know that anything can be done when they stand up believing that you have a purpose for them. God, I pray that this church is transformed as our life groups meet. God, as we understand the power of prayer and as we move together, God, may we as the church in Acts, may we pray for boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, as we do that, God, may we see our worlds be shaken up for your glory. And God, may we be unified for your purposes. May we be brought together to love you and to know you so that others can know you as well. Lord, we love you. We praise you. God, be with us. I pray you bless these people and encourage them and help them to live life significantly for your glory, through your power, knowing that they are your children. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Here's the deal. Think on a verse like this and just feel like God just leading us to do this instead of just saying, hey, okay, let's respond and reflect. Let's just do. Right? Let's just do. Let's know that God loves us and that he's called us to love each other. And then if we step out and we just do what God's called us to do, then we will begin to see God's purpose for us in new ways that we can never have imagined. Right? Amen. Have a great week. We love you guys. See you back next week.
Yes, the Lord. 